What is going on? I want to welcome you from Half Court. Today, I am joined, I am your host, Sean Murphy, and I am joined by accredited Pistons media member, a writer for Detroit Bad Boys, one of the best Pistons blogs on the internet, and content creator, Cool Kyle. Cool, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. Oh, dude, absolutely, man. I've been following you on Twitter for quite a bit, and I've been, you know, uh, seeing, seeing you post stuff and talking basketball and um, read your writing a little bit. And, dude, I just, uh, I'm just glad I've been able to have you on. Um, this, of course, is from Half Court. It's an NBA podcast where each and every week uh, I'm joined by someone. We're talking basketball, all things NBA hoops. Uh, so if you like that, be sure to give us a follow on iTunes, on Spotify, like, share with your friends, and all that good stuff. Uh, before we get rolling, because we got a lot to talk about, uh, cool. Do you kind of want to give like a little bit of like a background of like you know what you do, uh, where people can find you, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Kukahill MBA. Um, that's probably uh, harder to write down. I know it's hard to uh, spell my name, so it's at K U K H A H I L M B A. You can also find me on YouTube at Ku's Ballroom. Uh, same way with my podcast. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, all of its Coos Ballroom. And like Sean mentioned, you can find me at uh, Detroit Bad Boys as well, uh, writing about the Pistons. So I think that's just about everywhere you can find me. There you go, man. Nothing wrong with that. So let me ask before we talk about basketball, how did this journey start for you? Like, did it start with writing originally? Did it start with like the YouTube content? Kind of like, how did that path get started for you? Well, everything... Growing up, I always wanted to be like a professional basketball player, and sadly, God didn't bless me with any height, so uh, <laughs> that wasn't able to take off. So around my senior year, um, my senior year, I made the varsity basketball team, but it like became apparent that like yeah, that like I kind of held, I kind of knew it before then, but like at my senior year, I was like yeah, this you gotta face it, it's not gonna happen. So I was like, well, I still love the game of basketball. I got sports have been my life my whole life, like not just basketball, but football too. So I was like, well, what's another way like I can stay in the game? And I, the first thing that popped up is that, you know, every day at lunch, uh, all my boys, I'm still close to all my boys that we're all a nice good circle, but mm-hmm. every day at lunch, we like spend the entire lunch session just screaming about sports, debating about sports. <laughs> And every day I, I, I used to love watching first take. Like I used to wake up and watch first take, record it, come home and watch it. So I was like, I, that's kind of what I want to do. So I, I joined the newspaper at my school in the middle of my basketball season. Um, after I graduated, I made my own blog. I think it's honestly still up. I haven't posted on it in like years, but it was the ballroom banter. Uh, mm. So I made that up. I started writing on there. And then, uh, I don't know if you know him, he's on Pistons Twitter as well, Aaron Johnson over at Palace of Pistons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he brought me on, I think, in at the end of 2016, I think, 2016 or 2017, uh, he brought me on there. So I started writing there for a little bit, and then after about two months, Piston Power noticed me, and uh, my good friend, who's actually became one of my closest friends, Sham, uh, on Twitter, he brought me over to Piston Power, and then... Yeah, so I kind of took off from there. I, I wrote there at Piston Power for about eight to ten months, and then eventually I was able to be, take over the site expert job there and become the editor there. Um, I ended up we ended up leaving that job, I believe, in 2019, I believe, and then I started in that summer uh, that I like I that I left there. 
I got credentialed with WJR and that's when I began my began my credential career. I got to go to every game last year at home. Um, I got to be in the locker room, interview the coaches, talk to Dwayne Casey. I interviewed Bruce Brown and Derrick Rose, which was two of my favorite players. So it was, it was great to do that. Um, and then, yeah, now I just after after I made it all over at Piston Power, I wanted to I wanted to kind of like. I had always had my YouTube channel, but I like kind of let go of it as I started to write a little bit because I, I couldn't juggle both, I thought. But then once I got there, I realized I like I was starting to get more popular and starting to gain more followers and stuff. I was like, oh, you know what, let's try and make as much content as possible. So, yeah, I've been doing YouTube and writing ever since then. That's awesome, man. I actually uh, I actually wrote for Piss Empowered myself for about a year and uh, yeah, that's a cool platform too. Shout out to them just because it's a good place to, you know, I, I just, uh, when talking to a lot of people, it's cool that like, there's so many different ways and opportunities now to get, get started and to just get practicing and get the work in as far as writing or podcasting or, or content creation, all that stuff. I never, I, I, it's never been easier to me to do. So, I mean, that's just super cool just to hear that, like, you know, all this work that you put in and all this stuff that you've done led to tangible success of being able to be a credentialed media member to interview some of your favorite players. I'm super jealous. You met Derek Rose, not that I'm bitter or anything, but uh, (laughs) no, but that's awesome, man. That's very cool. And you know, that's, you know, how I found you was through your platform through Twitter and just uh, seeing you chatting hoops and clips you put up about, about Pistons topics. And, you know, you do all these deep dives on specific players or specific things. And I just, I just love the way you look at the game and the way that you like to keep that up. And I totally relate to your, uh, to your wanting to be a professional basketball store uh, player too, because if only, uh, if only our bodies and athleticism could keep out, keep up with how fast our mouths move. Right. <laughs> yes. That's where we, I guess that's where some of us get blessed, but that's okay. No. Yeah. Um, I, I appreciate it, though. What you said, I real quickly though, Anytime uh, I go on a podcast and they ask me about that, I always want to make sure that I say this for anybody listening who also has like wants to figure out how like you get anywhere in this or like yeah you raise your your platform or or get your name out there more. The main advice I always give is always be active. There's always be active. Talk and sports with anybody. Talk with anybody. Build connections. Just the way I did it is just I I was constantly on Twitter. I was constantly talking. I was always interacting with everybody. And eventually people. People just like what I had to say, and then I just grew from there. So always just don't be worried about what other people think about you or what what people that you may know think, oh, you're tweeting too much or you're talking too much about. Just be as active as possible and talk to as many people as possible. You'll, you'll find your group. Yeah, 100%, man. And also, it's, it's also just you just got to do it, too. That's like yeah. the other piece of it. That's how this podcast started for me. And I mean, that's how I got you on. We had never met before this. And I reached out and I was like, hey, do you want to be on? Because the worst case scenario is you ignore it or you say no. But like, you know, you were gracious enough to come on here. And, you know, I think I feel like to me, um, as although I don't have as much room to, to ha- have a platform to give advice because I don't have the platform that you have for sure. But, um, you know, it's one of those things where I think, you know, you just got to do it. Um, Definitely. But yeah, 100%. But hey, dude, seriously, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad we get this opportunity to talk basketball. And one of the things for me that was kind of uh, sometimes, you know, you just have it where you plan something and then timing just makes it just that much better that like that it worked out the way it did. Like, like I talked to you about a week and a half ago about coming on here and it was just yesterday or two days ago that Blake Griffin was officially bought out yeah. um, by the Detroit Pistons. And so 
uh, I, we have to start there just because of the fact of what what Blake Griffin means to the city of Detroit or what he should mean to the city of Detroit and also just everything that he did for the Pistons franchise. Um, let me kind of start by asking you, um, what is going to be the memory that you're always going to have of Blake Griffin in the Detroit Pistons uniform? Um, I think I think this is everybody's memory, or at least it should be, is him yeah. walking off the court in game four to a standing ovation, him playing on basically one leg and still playing really well against yeah. the Bucks, and, you know, him shaking his head, and he, him feeling like, like you – in the interviews afterwards and what he said and even what he said before then and his actions on the court, like it just felt like he, he felt like he was letting the team down and the city down for, for the way they went out and him not being able to play the first two games. Like to us, that was like superhuman. Like what he did was just like the fact that he even went out there and played and the season he had in totality, it was just like superhuman, but you could see to him, it was like, man, I let, I let Detroit down. And that, that right there is why, Blake always resonated with me and I think that's I think that's a lot of people's is going to be everybody's lasting memory of Blake yeah 100% I think that needs to be the legacy because of the fact that first of all he didn't even ask to come to Detroit right when he got traded to us um, after signing that huge offseason deal with the Clippers after being promised that he was going to retire a Clipper they do that whole number jersey retirement thing I feel like the the, the most popular prominent story of Blake Griffin's time in Detroit is the way he got traded here. But like, if you actually paid attention and saw how Blake acted each and every day, like I remember, uh, I remember Fox sports Detroit posted the video of him coming off the plane, arriving in Detroit and he could have had his head down. He could have been sulking, but like he embraced the motor city from day one. And he went, he went from a situation where he was out in LA, he was playing with Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan, and he was like trying to, trying to get to the finals out there to now having this completely different situation in Detroit where they're kind of, they're kind of looking at rebuilding, kind of seeing that they can still win with the pieces they had. I mean, I think it's just important to acknowledge, like he did not have a lot to work with when he came to Detroit. And the fact that he played as hard as he did, got us to where he got us to, um, I just, you know, to me, that's why Blake Griffin's going to be one of my all time favorite Pistons just because of everything he did there. Um, yeah. I, I pointed out that like a few weeks ago that, I mean, I made a video in the off season talking about why Blake became my favorite Piston ever. And I know people who listen are going to be like, Whoa, dude, like what's wrong with you? You, you guys have the going to work team and just, just like to give light on that. Like I was only like six years old, five, seven years old when that happened. So like, you, I dude. Yeah, so like I remember, like the, I remember the players, and I remember it happening. But like, it's not the same as being older, so you can witness the emotions of the whole entire season. You can remember specific games, specific moments, specific like things that happened. Like I don't have any of those type of memories. I just remember the players. I remember them being good. And I remember them winning the ship. But I don't have like lasting like memories from specific seasons, like I did with Blake's season and over the last, ever since the going to work team, the team's been like, the Pistons just been garbage. And Blake really is like the only success story that we've had for like 12 years now. So, and, and I said like a few weeks ago that for people, for people outside Detroit, everyone's thinking that he's finally been set free from Detroit. He never wanted to be here. Like anyone who watched him or like paid attention over here, it, it, it became very clear to me that Blake viewed this as not just like, not just his reclamation, like his comeback. When he got here, he saw that Detroit needed to come back. So he, like, I felt like 
he made it very clear that like, yeah, I'm going to make this my comeback, but at the same time, I'm going to raise Detroit. I'm going to make it Detroit's comeback as well. So Detroit's going to come, Detroit's comeback is going to be my comeback as well. And I feel like he really tried to do that and his body just betrayed him. Yeah. 100% man. And, and, and I think, I think that point resonates so well with me too, just because I'm that I'm the same situation as you are. I was born in 97. So when the, when the Pistons, um, won the championship, I was six or seven years old. So for me, ever since then, um, the, we've only had two all-stars on our team and they were Allen Iverson, which we don't need to go over Allen Iverson's time in Detroit. We know what, what that cost us and what happened there, but also just with Blake Griffin coming in, you know, because there, you can really handle it two ways. You could do it the way that Blake did, where you embrace the city, you embrace the culture, you come in and you go to work and you, um, you try to prove everybody wrong and you, and you make the best of a situation or you do it the Allen Iverson way where, um, you know, things don't go the way he wants to. They ask him to make a sacrifice for his role. And he's like, I'm not doing that. Heck no. You know, so I, to me, it's just uh, the fact that Blake came in and did everything that he did. And I will never forget his MVP like season. Uh, I, I believe it was uh, 2018, 2019, just when um, uh, I remember the 50 point game against Philadelphia. That will always be my favorite Blake Griffin game. Um, that, that to me was probably the night he became my favorite piston just because of the fact that he was just putting on for us and he just did everything he possibly could. So to me, I have nothing but good memories in Detroit. If anything, I just wish we could have done more for him, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I think, I, I really think that the Pistons ran him into the ground that season and that, yeah. that, that really, uh, tended to where he's at now. Um, but yeah, same here. I have I have nothing but good things to say about Blake. I'm I'm sad that it ended this way, but I have I have nothing but good things to say about Blake and his time here. And I, I honestly, I, I enjoyed. I know that it didn't result in any playoff wins, and some people may say put the team back or the franchise back a few years, but I, I would do it all over again. I really I, like because at Me the too. end of the day, at the end of the day, I said this on Twitter, and I understand that like we want like we analyze the game, we analyze like teams, the franchises, the play on the court, uh, salary, all that stuff. Like, that's our job to do. That's what we do. But right. at the end of the day, it, we're supposed to be having fun. Like, it's it's sports and it's entertainment. And we're supposed to be having fun and enjoy ourselves. And and Blake brought fun to Detroit, somewhere, somewhere we hadn't had that in a long time. So I, I have nothing but good things to say by his time here. Yeah, 100%. And real quick, before we move on from the Blake Griffin topic, um, obviously yesterday, uh, Shams reported that um, it's currently – um, the Brooklyn Nets are currently the front runner for Blake Griffin. Um, I mean, uh, for obvious reasons, just because that is such a clear path where he could go and win a championship. Um, do you think Brooklyn's the best situation for him or are there other teams that you want to see him maybe jump to? Uh, I think Brooklyn, I said this yesterday. I think Brooklyn's an awful fit actually. Um, yeah. he, it's just that like they need defense and athleticism and he provides neither. So <laughs> he like, could have provided both like four years ago, maybe. But I, I just don't see. I mean, like you said, it's the easiest. I mean, they could probably just like if he doesn't, if he stinks it up, they can just sit him on the bench and he just won't play. But he'll get his ring either way. But I, I guess that there's that. But far as fit on the court, I don't really get it. Uh, they have enough offense. They don't really need Blake. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know where he could go because I. It, well, I have nothing but nice things to say about Blake. I mean, if you watch anyone watch them this year, it it was sad. So if, it's, yeah, if you're talking sheerly from a basketball analysis standpoint, he is 
he'd had a rough go in Detroit this season. Yeah. And I he, think that's just being objective. Yeah. He's, it's just, it's, I find it hard for me to believe that like I'm rooting for him. I want him to go out there and revive his career, but it's just like, if you're basing off what we've seen this year and even last year, it's just going to be, it's hard for me to believe that he can be a contributing factor to a contending team. Like his defense, because the thing is like, even when his prime, he was never that good at defense, but he was just so superhuman on offense and just an insane athlete that it didn't matter. And then yeah. in 2018, 19, he grew his game out to where he was a killer at every part of the court on offense. So still, he wasn't a complete liability like he is now on defense, but still he wasn't a plus on defense, but his offense was still otherworldly. Now his offense is whatever you want to call it, but now his, <laughs> now his defense is literally like that of a sitting chair. So it's just, I, I just don't see how he contributes to a contending team, but I hope I'm wrong. You know, I, I, to me, it's hard to judge completely on Blake Griffin's performance this season, just because, yeah, first of all, if you're just looking at it from an overall standpoint, he played terribly, right? Like, I mean, like not terribly, but like he wasn't, he wasn't what we wanted him to be. But if you're just looking at it from like a, from a sample size of when he actually seemed to be energetic about the game, like when he played against the Lakers and uh, when he went out and just had like, when he had his best games was when we had our best opponents. Right. And um, I, I think of that Lakers game in particular, where he had a burst in the first quarter or in the first half where he, he just came out and played great. And then he walked completely lost his steam in the second half. Right. So to me, like wh- where I see a fit that would make sense of Brooklyn or why that would make sense in my head, if you're looking at it from like a, just like just to be the devil's advocate on this one. Cause I agree. I don't think it's the best fit for him, but to me, I could see it being that, you know, having an additional playmaker or a guy with a high basketball IQ um, on that team, just never hurt someone that can help that second unit, maybe get some points and just have somebody that's as smart and skilled as he is. But you know, if, if he, if, if I felt confident about him having a longer career beyond, beyond these next couple of years, I would say to me, a fit that's always been intriguing for Blake Griffin for me has been Portland, just seeing what he could do with like two really skilled guards and Dame and CJ. Um, and just to have that extra, extra star out there in Portland, to me, that always was a super intriguing fit, but with where he's at now, I don't think, uh, I don't think that one makes as much sense anymore. Well, um, with, with Portland, this is the thing. So I don't know if you follow Hal on Twitter, but mm-hmm. me me and him talked about this as well with Portland. Like yeah. the thing is, if he anywhere he goes, if especially Portland, like if Portland were the spot, he would Blake has to like he when he came to Detroit, he completely went away from rolling in the pick and roll at all. Every time yeah. he popped. And that does that cannot be the case anymore. It, no matter where he goes, especially if he went to Portland. If he went to Portland and he changed this his mindset and he starts to roll again, like he doesn't have to roll and dunk on people or roll and catch alley oops. But he's no longer the offensive juggernaut that can just, oh, I'm going to set a screen, get this mismatch, and then, oh, yeah, we're going to have Damian Lillard kick out to Blake Griffin so he can take on a mismatch. No, that's like, that's not going to happen anymore. He just, and he's a good enough, he's a great passer. So if he rolls, right, he can do short roll passing, short roll uh, uh, activity, and that would really enhance his game maybe in short spurts. Because I agree, it was like you said, his, his bet, he looked at his best when he, could go all out in short spurts, but then those short spurts like quickly went away. Like he gassed out quick. 
So if if he goes to any of the any of these contending teams, I actually think Brook uh, Portland. I, I think Portland could still work, not to the extent it did years ago, but it could still work if he just decides to like he's going to start rolling again because the little mm-hmm. is going to pop every time. It's just he'll fail anywhere he goes if he if he continues to do that. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing too, um, that's unfortunate is like, he used to command so much attention in the paint just because of his ability to dunk and his ability to finish at the rim. But now that he just doesn't have that threat anymore. I mean, it's been since, you know, do you remember when the last time he dunked was, do you, do yes. you know, off the, yeah, December 8th, 2019, I was there and it's, it, and I can't believe that was his final dunk or, or his last dunk in the league was a year and a half ago when we're talking about Blake Griffin of all people, but yeah, 100%. But I mean, like he was so, he was so good at, at, at distributing from the paint, but now that's just not even a, it just, he doesn't command that attention anymore. Right. So um, I'm interested to see where he ends up because, you know, I, I don't know if any contender is like a great fit for him from a basketball standpoint. I mean, he can go and he can surely contribute, but um, beyond this season or beyond the next couple seasons, I, I think his career is kind of winding down here, which is sad to say, because I think he could have had many more good years in the league, but I think, uh, I think he'll be retired after the next couple of years. But I, um, I think the ahead. most optimistic view, I, I think the most optimistic thing you can say for Blake is that you hope that maybe with more game reps and, and, and more games that go by and a, and maybe another off season off. Cause I know a lot, of, like I'm not a sign or a, a medical person at all or anything. Right. But I know I've, I've seen a lot of medical people say like when someone has a major injury or a major surgery, they always say that, Oh, he's, he's likely not going to be back to hundred percent until a year after he actually comes back. So, I mean, I guess that like, if you want to be super optimistic or you like want to look at the best possible solution is that maybe with more game reps and the more games that go by and maybe another off season, he's able to, to, regain some of that athleticism but I I think he has to I think he has to hope for that to happen because at this point even if he like I think he can be somewhat of a contributing maybe in a in a small role if he's given in short spurts but even that I think is 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 kind based off what we saw I think he has to hope for some of that athleticism to come back because 100 percent even on like it's like the more the, the easiest way to look at it especially when he's on defense like he wasn't moving a lot at all on defense at first but like look at the Jason Tatum game where yeah. he like he wasn't able to, it's not the fact that he scored on him it's the fact that Blake was in, incapable of moving side to side like he, he can't move laterally anymore he can't explode and and another thing that that's like sad to watch him play on offense is that like when he got his mismatches for the Pistons this year like the thing that stood out for me that let me know that like man he's just he's just losing it is that his balance like he's had great to be someone like Blake a high flyer like he is and finish at the rim like he 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 did and even in 2018-19 you have to have incredible balance as a basketball player and he was just he was just falling all over the place he was stumbling in in the post up even against mismatches like I've never seen him fall to the ground so many times he was even when he went to go do a move he was like stumble so he'd be falling away from the basket as he tried to put it up like his balance was just I don't know, man. It's just I think he has to hope that some of that athleticism comes back, or yeah, I, I just think it's going to be a sad, sad ending. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and you know you got to hope wherever he goes, like we said, that he can just play in those shorter bursts, that he can come in and can and affect the game, not over long stretches of time, but in crucial situations. You know, so so you know, 
um, kind of to close this segment, you know, I, I do hope for the best for Blake, wherever he goes, I'm rooting for them just because I, I want to see Blake Griffin win a ring. It's kind of similar to the Matt Stafford thing. If you're a Detroit sports fan, where um, you just know that that player deserves better and, you know, whatever pastors that they're, that they're on to beyond where, beyond Detroit, you just hope they get what they deserve because, you know, Matt Stafford, Blake Griffin, just to me, both are guys that just deserve it. 100%. Don't don't um, get me started on, on Matthew Stafford. I'll, I'll start crying <laughs> on, on the podcast. Listen, Coop, bro. I you know it's one of those things where this is the first time that we're talking, getting to know each other, having fun. We don't got to ruin that by Lions talk, bro. I yeah, mean, I, you know, I, it's, if we talk about number nine leaving Detroit, I'll, I'll probably end up getting tissue. So let's just. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, hey, just uh, just to kind of speaking of the Pistons, I think this would be kind of a good time. Uh, as of recording this, we are at the All Star break. I can't believe we're already halfway through this season. And the fact that we're at this point, even during COVID, all that stuff, just all the hurdles that there have been, um, it's quite frankly an accomplishment on the NBA's end because man, it's, it, it wasn't looking good for yeah. a little while there. Um, but I, I kind of feel like, uh, you know, since I have someone that's uh, as big of a Pistons fan as you are, you know, being as big of a Pistons fan as I am, I, you know, I think this would be a good time to kind of give our like report card, for where the seasons are at, where the Pistons are at right now and what you would say they're doing this season. And I kind of want to start with Troy Weaver, right? Because I think that's kind of been the big story of this season is Troy Weaver coming into town, completely changing the roster as much as he has, where to now the only players that are left that Troy Weaver inherited are Sfee Mikhailuk and Sekou Dumboya, which that's, is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Um. If you had to grade Troy Weaver at this point, halfway through the season, the job that he's done, what would you give him? And why so, is it an A plus? So, so look, I, I'd love – I really want to give him an A plus because he really has, like, knocked out a lot of the things – like, a lot of things out of the park. But I have to give him – I have to give him an A minus simply for this one thing. So – so, so he he hit on Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's complete home run. Home run, grand slam. Yeah. Mason Plumley, another person who's just been playing. He has two triple doubles this year. That's, that's all I have to say about Mason Plumley. He has two triple doubles. Bro, is, the amount of hate that that Troy Weaver got over all these center signings and with yeah. how Mason Plumley's been playing, Troy Weaver's got to be like, put some respect on my name. And, and he should be, he should be, because there were a ton of people, not only for Mason Plumlee, but also the Jeremy Grant sign. Like, they were just clowning him. So he for definitely sure. should be taking victory laps. So Mason Plumlee, I think, would, would should also be another hit, another obvious hit he made. Um, Josh Jackson, I think that's another home run hit he got. Oh, my gosh, dude. Josh Jackson. I was watching your Josh Jackson video today just about how um, how well he's playing. And I know at one point you said this season that he's playing the best basketball of his life. And I agree with that 100%, dude. He's been he's been such a joy to watch this year. Yeah, it's super cool for me too because he's a Detroit kid and I remember oh, yeah. I remember I don't know for you, but I know I remember going up in high school with my boys, we always talked about Josh Jackson. Like we know we knew who Josh Jackson was cuz we were all like around the same age. I believe actually he's in the same class as me, I think. But yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I grew up on the West side of the state. I'm, I'm more from like, like GR area. Oh, okay. um, so, so for me, I, I never heard a whole ton. I heard rumblings, but um, I remember watching that kid in college 
and uh, seeing where uh, seeing him come out of Kansas and he, knowing he was a Detroit boy, I just was rooting for him big time. So to see him come home and have that uh, have that redemption season has been really cool to watch. Yeah, definitely. So they so you got Josh Jackson, Mason Plumley, Jeremy Grant, and then you go over his draft picks. So we can just take Killian out because he's been hurt. Even if you yeah. just take his top draft pick out, you got Sadiq Bay balling out. You got Isaiah Stewart balling out, and now you got his second round pick who I don't know if you saw, but just jumped into like fifth on one of someone's rookie yeah. your power ranking. After like I was, was going to talk about that. So um, right now, CBS Sports, they do a regular thing throughout the year where they rank the top rookies. And I mean, LaMelo Ball is obviously number one. They got Anthony Edwards at two, Quick uh, Emmanuel Quickly at three. But they got Saban Lee and Sadiq Bay at four and five, which is crazy. Yeah, that that's that's especially for Saban because he literally has just started playing. Like I, I don't know what was it seven games ago. Yeah. So it's 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 crazy that he's already like he's played so well that he's there, and that's a second round draft pick. So those are three picks right there, and we're not even discussing his top draft pick, who who excuse me hasn't been able to play because of injury. So I mean that, that those are all hits again. So like his his record right now is near flawless. So yeah, one hundred percent. The one thing I have to I have to knock on him though for right. and I know pe- I think people I think a lot of people probably know where I'm going with this. It's the Bruce Brown trade, and it's this it's this reason why it's it's only because of this. People people don't understand when I say this. They're like, oh well, where would Bruce play right now for everybody? Where would he be like in the rotation? Like, oh, you you wouldn't have any room for Bruce. Uh, While I disagree with that, uh, I, that's not the point. The point is is that he was this valuable to the Brooklyn Nets to where he's starting for them. He, he's putting up like 20 points, 15, 18, 17 points while getting like eight rebounds, passing the ball, playing great defense for him. Like he's yeah. been starting for them for a minute now, and he's he's been absurd for them. So he's that valuable to them. He was very clear at the time to me, this is not revisionist history, he was very clear at that time to me, an extremely valuable asset of yours. And it's the fact that he traded him away for basically nothing and honestly more than nothing to be honest because he actually paid to get rid of him because the player he traded for Musa cost more than Bruce to release so if he would have simply just released Bruce he would have saved two million dollars but he traded Bruce then cut Musa so he basically gave away Bruce Brown and two million dollars just to get rid of Bruce and that that now while people can say oh he did it so he can make room and blah blah like I get the idea behind it, but the, the execution of the trade I think is was horrible. So I have yeah. to knock him on that. So I that's the only reason why I can't give him an A plus. But he I'll keep him at an A minus because everything else has been legit. Like he's just yeah. been knocking everything else out of the park. So so this might be where it turns into first take a little bit because I'm going to preface with I love Bruce Brown. I was quite sad when we traded him. Um, I absolutely agree that if if there is any criticism to give on Troy Weaver. It has to start and end at Bruce Brown right now because of the fact that he um, he is he is balling out in Brooklyn, which I'm happy for him. But who else is Brooklyn going to start, man? I mean, listen, like tops it down from that roster. Who else are they going to start? Because they got James Harden, Ka- Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and then and then other than Bruce Brown, they got like a bag of chips. <laughs> like that's so- fair. But I think right. I think I pointed this out in the summer, and I, I, me personally, I saw this coming for Bruce. This is the thing I always, when people say that, it's just fair. Like he's playing with James, KD, Kyrie, blah blah. Obviously, right. 
obviously they're making his life extremely easy. Yeah, for sure. For but, sure. But the point, but, but what people are missing is that not any player can just be like put in that situation and do that. It has to be a specific, specific player who's willing to do certain type of things that have certain type of skill set, which I feel like that everyone should have known Bruce had that skill set. He was, he was a Swiss army knife. He wasn't a yeah, pure yeah. point guard, but he was a really good passer. He was a pure shooting guard, but he was a great defender. He like he was already improving his shooting. He was improved. I wrote about it last year. I, I when he started going going off of the Brooklyn Nets, I started screenshotting everything I wrote about him last year. So people didn't think this was revisionist <laughs> history. Like I pointed out the fact that he was developing a floater. Now he's in like last time I checked, he was in the 90th percentile in the floaters according to Synergy. He I, I pointed out how he was getting better at the rim. Now he's extremely good at the rim. I pointed out he's getting better at shooting. I pointed out how he was getting better at passing. So yeah, Bruce Bruce's uh, player profile is that he he was just a Swiss Army knife. So I feel like contenders, any contender would love to have him because he can do so many things and help you in so many small areas. Not everybody can help you in this area, that area, this area, that area. Like Jeff Green, yeah. he's a good veteran for him, but he's only helping in one specific area for him. Bruce is able to play center for him and set screens and and cut to the basket, find open holes while also playing defense, pushing the tempo, passing on the short roll, or 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 just the, like he can do everything for a contending 100%. team. One hundred percent. Yeah, so I feel like that's where. Like, once again, my criticism isn't the fact he didn't keep Bruce. My criticism is the execution of the trade. Like I, I agree. Yeah. While, because... while you, well, you can question his value, like what Bruce's value actually was. No one will ever convince me that Bruce's value was negative two million dollars. Like that's not true, and yeah, that's 100%. why I have to knock him for. Yeah, it, no, and 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 I think your I think your points are absolutely spot on. I was just bringing that up for debate's sake of you know it's one of those things where I think in the long term I think it's going to be a oh darn I wish you know it, it would be nice to still have Bruce Brown but all well because we are in such a midst of this rebuild. Yeah, he's not um, going to cripple. I don't want to make it seem like he's going that trade going to cripple the uh, franchise. For sure, like, for sure. Bruce Brown, they'll get over it, obviously, but. I, I don't, I think, I just don't think that, I, I just think when the thing that you want to look out for, and it's, it's Stefanski has done this for a while that he's taken, in my opinion, marginal losses on a lot of trades and a lot of things he's done Stefanski before Troy Weaver got here. For sure. And while Troy Weaver has hit on everything. I just, it's, I think it's just worthy to point out that I think he took a marginal loss on the Bruce Brown trade and you don't want to see that continue to happen with Stefanski. 100%. Do, do you think just like, because, you know, one of the things I'm still kind of dissecting as to why that trade happened, right? You know, mm-hmm. like to me, it, I don't know if it was as much of, of a basketball move for the prospect we're getting in return as much as it was a statement that no one is safe that like, we're going to flip this roster. Like I just, to me, I'm still, it, it, when I look at that trade, I still kind of go like, why? Because, you know, to me, um, I would say the one thing about Bruce Brown that is undeniable that you have to just give him credit is the fact that he was just a piston through and through in the sense that he came in, put his head down, went to work. Like he embodied that city in the way that he played basketball. Right. And like, he, the fact that he came in and he had as much of an impact as he did, you know, year one being a second round pick, um, a guy out of Miami that, you know, honestly, we didn't know what to think of to be that effective in the NBA, not only from his rookie year, but right now, to your point, on a contending team 
in Brooklyn being a guy that, that on a team that is dire in the sense of needing defense to be that anchor for them. Um, you know, I still kind of shake my head and go, why? But um, I think your reasoning is sound for sure. I think, I think the reason for the trade, at least for me, is, I, well, I know James Edwards of the Athletic reported that, that Bruce didn't have the greatest bubble performance, like that little training camp bubble they put together. I think it was like a week or so that they for sure. did that for in sure. offseason. Even though I don't think that a week of play should be like determining your future with a team. So I hope I'm going to hope and pray that's not why he decided to move on from him because I don't think yeah. that's that's smart to do at all. But I think well, by those standards, Luke Kennard played pretty well in that bubble from what yeah. I heard. He, he was gone too. So no, but <laughs> but from, I think the point of the trade for Bruce is I pointed this out at the time is is that he he wanted to, he wants to build this team in his image and recreate everything from the ground up. For sure. Um, I, I thought that maybe – I mean, I think the main thing that you can see now already is that he had other players in mind that he wanted to create room for in the rotation, and he right. wanted to have those players instead of Bruce. So I think that's the easiest way to look at it. But also, he wanted to – what's the word? He wanted to re-inject youth into the Pistons roster, not 23, 24-year-olds, yeah. which – I don't know because he also got Josh Jackson, which I guess you can kind of call BS, but he also went out and got Sadiq, Saban, Killian, and Isaiah Stewart. And he got like, I feel like he just wanted to re-inject a lot of his guys in, a lot of youth right. in. And and while Bruce, I feel like Bruce is good enough to get minutes on this team. Like he's getting minutes a contender. He definitely can get minutes on a rebuilding team. I think Troy Weaver just had other players that he wanted to give minutes to. And then instead of like keeping Bruce on the bench and not playing him at all, let's just move him somewhere else, which I feel this is why I'm so that's that's the exact reason why it makes me so mad that he did the trade happen. I feel like he could have got value for that. Like, I feel like everything he thought going into it was correct all the way until he hit send on the trade in 2K. It It was I think that was the only thing. But, yeah, I think that was his reasoning, which I don't have no problem with. I think it's just like I said, the execution, but I think that was his reasoning. And I think that's fair for sure. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think the other thing too, just, you know, moving on to other moves that have made been made because those were kind of the big moves like, you know, before the season, but now during the season with uh, the biggest move leading up to Blake Griffin being bought out of his contract, being um, Derek Rose being traded to the Knicks, getting Dennis Smith jr. In return, um, I believe we got a second round pick as well, right? I yes. believe we, yeah, future second round pick. Um, Dennis Smith Jr. and his limited, um, and his limited reps or in his limited time with with Detroit. I mean, it's still too early to judge, but man, uh, what we've seen so far is that Dennis Smith Jr. can play basketball, and uh, I don't know how he didn't get minutes in New York because my goodness, the the guy has a lot of upside in my opinion, and I hope can have a future in Detroit. Do you, what, what are your thoughts on Dennis Smith Jr.? So Dennis Smith Jr. has honestly shocked the living hell out of me. Um, <laughs> I, the thing, the thing that shocked me the most about this guy is that like not even his offense, his defense has been otherworldly. Like it's yeah, not, not, not even just like on ball, like which on ball has already been good. Like that's been good too, but like off ball, he's just been like, I don't know how to like to explain it. Like it's honestly been shocking as hell to see, like he's making off ball reads and like causing havoc off ball that you see, like all defense kind of guys make like there's been a few times when you'll see a roller happen or a cutter happen or, or 
someone will front somebody in the post and they'll try to lob. He can see the lob overcoming and he immediately like he reads it instantly and usually knocks the ball out, which like, For sure. It's just, you don't expect that from, from Dennis Smith Jr. of all people. Cause he was <laughs> yeah. not by no means like, I'm, this is not trying to hate on him or anything, but he was by no means a good defender before Detroit by no means at all. For sure. And he's been like crazy on that end. He's, let me, let me look at this real quick. I, I have it right in front of me. So over the last – let me look at this real quick. Over the last six games, he's averaging 1.7 steals and 0.7 blocks. And that's taken out of the – and that's taken out the game. He had three blocks and three steals against the Memphis Grizzlies on wow. the 19th. So it's he, – he's – we could talk about his offense, but, man, his, his defense has been crazy. He's just got this chip on his shoulder, man. Like, he's just carrying the weight of the world on his shoulder. I mean, if you think about his career, like, everything that he's had to face, I mean, this guy getting drafted in Dallas, top 10 pick, um, then they bring in Luka, and they go, well, we kind of like Luka better. We're going to get someone to pair with him, and goes to New York. And New York just didn't really know what to do with him or didn't really want him beyond, you know, his, his season that he played pretty well there, and that he had to literally beg to go to the G league bubble just to get playing time. And by the time he clears quarantine and things like that, I believe it was the day he clear quarantine was when he got traded to Detroit. So all this stuff that he went through to get to this point and finally get an opportunity. I feel like we're just watching a guy that knows his value and is kind of, you know, for a lack of better terms, pissed that, um, you know, like that, like it hasn't been recognized and he's just going out there and, 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 making his future you know and so i hope i hope he's got a future in detroit man because if he can um if we can get him on an extension for not too expensive of a deal and see um see what his ceiling is i I hope i hope we see something something special because i i've always really enjoyed watching watching dennis smith jr play basketball well the thing is i'll say this um so i think of it kind of like the same thing with josh jackson like yeah. when you're a high prospect and you're 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 popular, your your build is the next big thing, and then you get to a point where you're riding buses and G League games, like that will change your mindset. That will change how you look at everything. That will change how you want to play. That will change everything for you. And you've seen it just change Josh Jackson's career. And I think that's the same thing with Dennis Smith Jr. Like he went down to the G League, so now it's like now that he's here, he's taking every day grateful. He's He's just like, you know, I'm going to do everything I can on the basketball court just to be here, just to blast the NBA. I'd rather be here than when I was. So I'll do whatever I got to do. And I think that leads to what he's doing on defense. And I think the other parallel with with Dennis Jr., which based off what you said, I know you're not going to like or be sad about. But I think (laughs) I think Dennis Jr. And I said this. I don't know if you know the locker room app, but I've said it on there as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I think Dennis Jr. for the Pistons. The Pistons are his, like Josh, you know how Josh Jackson had the Grizzlies that springboard him to the Pistons? I think yeah, that's what sure. the Pistons are for Dan Smith Jr. I think he's going to use this strong play to go leave somewhere else in free agency, which I don't think is an awful thing. I think it shows, I think it goes on the mark of like the Pistons and Troy Weaver, like, hey, if you're a high draft pick or you're not figuring out in the league, come here. We'll recruit you here and we, we have a great track record of helping you guys turn your career around, which I think is a great thing to have on your organization. But the thing is, I just don't see, like, it's not that he's not playing bad and like, he's not playing good. It's just, if you got Killian Hayes, 
You got yeah. Saban now, obviously, who's shown that he's definitely part of the future. You got this upcoming draft pick, so who the hell knows you're going to get. I hope they just get best player available. But that also could be a guard. Sure. I just don't see, like, like if, if he wanted to come back on a minimum and be a third-string point guard, I'm sure Troy Weaver would be like, hey, come back. But I highly doubt that if he keeps playing like this, Dennis Smith Jr. has any interest of being a bench player uh, yeah. riding the bench. So I just don't see how exactly it would work. Yeah, I tell you what, man, uh, and, and I think I, I do think that you're right. Um, you know, I, I think if there would be any future for him, it would be at the two guard. Um, yeah. But even then, um, you know, with Josh Jackson being there, I think that would kind of be, you know, potentially his spot or, you know, who knows, you know, what we end up getting in the draft, you know, please Kate Cunningham come to Detroit. But anyway, um, you know, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's funny that like how quickly things can change where a year ago, our future at the point guard position for a lack of better terms looked dire. And now to have two guys in that point guard room with, uh, with Killian Hayes, with Saban Lee, and even Dennis Smith Jr. in there right now, just how deep that point guard room got quickly um, is kind of insane. So that's another, you know, another tip of the hat to, to Troy Weaver. And then, you know, one last thing about Blake Griffin and then moving on to something else. Um, I, I think I think a big thing with uh, with Blake, I'm so glad that they're not stretching his salary and that they're just yeah, eating. Yeah, when I saw, because that was my biggest worry was, okay, what does this mean for our salary cap long-term? Because we've already, like, you know, Troy already came in and waved and stretched a couple guys, which, um, you know, gave us the jo- the the um, the Josh Smith vibes, like, oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> you know what I mean? All this yeah. dead cap space. Just the fact that we're going to eat that salary, that, that we're just going to get that done after next season, I think is 100% the right move, especially with a rebuilding team. Um, no need to use all that cap space to try and, you know, try and win. So let's, uh, let's eat that cap space. Let's move on. I think that was a smart move on his end too. So I think that was just a stellar, um, just, just the best way that he could have handled the situation that, that to be as nice as possible was not optimal on Detroit side of things. Definitely agree with you. Yeah. 100%. So I think, uh, I think it's fair that Troy Weaver, no matter what he deserves a, at least an a minus, I would bump it up to an a, but I, he's definitely, you know, either way, that's a good grade. I don't, you know, some of y'all out there might be strict on your grades. For me, I would have called that a day and felt pretty good about it. But he's um, you been know, absurd. He's been like, I don't know if you saw, but Rod for uh, the Detroit News, he was he was saying that he should, he should be considered for executive of the year, even with one hundred percent. Like he's been, he's been, he's been great. He's been every Pistons fan should be extremely excited that he's at RGM. Yeah, 100%. And at the very least, you know, at, before the biggest thing has always been that there's never been a clear direction or vision from ownership down. And now that there is that vision and there's a culture that we're building to, uh, just that in itself is just exciting. So um, I think we got nothing but optimism heading forward. Um, but moving on to another piece. So that's we got the GM. Uh, let's focus on the coach, uh, Dwayne Casey. Um, I know that I, I believe you've been a little critical of Dwayne Casey, that you're not a big Dwayne Casey guy. Um, so I'm curious if you had to give Dwayne Casey a grade halfway through the season, what would you give him and why? So you're absolutely correct. I've been very critical of Dwayne Casey. <laughs> I've never, I have not been a very good fan of his at all. However, 
I I have to give him an A for this season. I think this season is the best season he's had in Detroit. I think. Heck yeah, Koo. Heck yeah, Koo. There I you think, go. I think he's been. I think he's been honestly. It's hard to criticize really anything he's had thus far. I'm not gonna lie. The only thing I can criticize is that I really still can't stand the way he handles Seku. Like obviously Seku has to play better, but I also think that he's. I, I just don't like how he's handling Seku. But outside of that, I think he's hit on everything else. Like, so when he, when they hired Dwayne Casey, the big thing for him was that he's a – everyone will always say, oh, he's great with young guys. He's great with developing. He's This is that. And whether you want to attribute all of it to him or not, when so if that's what he's billed as, and then they get young players here who haven't worked out and they start to work out, whether you want to give him all the credit or not, you have to give him some credit because that's what he was billed as when exactly. he got hired. And – he, that's happened over and over again here. And not only that, this team before the season, everyone said it was going to be God awful. And while they are still the worst team in the league record wise, they definitely do not play like the worst team in the league. They, they go out there and they play as hard as possible. Every single game they make, yeah. they, they make every game close. They have some wins that they shouldn't have against great teams they just, if you come out to play the Pistons and you aren't giving your full 100%, you will lose. And that that kind of thing, I think, has to be attributed to Dwayne Casey. I, I think I think Dwayne Casey, again, like I said, I, I've been very critical of him. I, I blame him a lot for what happened to Blake. But if we're talking about this season, I think this has been easily his best season in Detroit. I think he deserves a ton of credit for this year. Yeah, 100%. And, and I think... Um, I, I definitely think he's not perfect. I think criticism is absolutely fair. But if you're giving Dwayne Casey any other grade than an A, because listen, man, say what you will about Dwayne Casey, right? You you can point out his his system. You can point out there are certain things you can certainly criticize him for, and that is fair. However, the fact that you have a team that is going into the season acknowledging that they're rebuilding and that they're going out and they're playing as hard as they are each and every night, that is a testament to the coaching. That is a testament to the culture because you look at teams. Like I think of past rebuilding teams, like the process 76ers. I think of like the, the Charlotte Bobcats in their, in their season, like the lockout season um, when they came in and had like went seven and 59. Um, you know, a lot of these teams, you just, you, you automatically counted as a W they look dejected. They look discouraged. Uh, LeBron and, and, and company, all these great players just come out and they put on clinics in the first half and they play ping pong in the second half practically. But like, you know, um, Detroit, you're not getting a night off. Like you are absolutely not getting a night off. If anything, you might have a team play. You might not have many teams in the league play you as difficult and as as annoying for, for like, like just as from annoying from, in a good way. Um, out there on the court just because they're going to go out there and they're going to try and get at you each and every game. And so a lot of that to me has to be attributed to Dwayne Casey and the coaching staff because they are, they are not giving up. And uh, he, he said something the other day to, I believe James Edwards posted this on Twitter where he, uh, he made a quote that said, you can, you can, uh, you can beat up on us now. You can try and get your licks and everything that you want, but in the next couple of years, we're coming and we're going to be ready. So um, obviously he's feeling pretty comfortable in Detroit and to the people that think that he should be on the hot seat right now, just stop it. That's all I got to say. Just stop it. Cause that's not how this works. Definitely. I, like I said, I, I've been one of the main people critiquing Dwayne Casey, but 
there's nothing outside of for me this just the way he handles Seku outside of anything like that he's he's been he's been great this year and I I don't think anyone can really say otherwise he's, he's for been sure great. for sure and I think speaking of Seku I, I think when I look at specific um I think he's the only player as of right now that we can certainly give like a grade on from like a report card standpoint you know rookies I think all the rookies we can touch on you know they're do they're an A they're great. Killian, I think he has an in- incomplete grade um, just because, you know, he only played seven games. He didn't have an offseason. He has an injury. Um, anyone that's calling him a bust or saying that we should roll that roll that pick back, I think that's just uh, overreactions. And I, yeah, absolutely absurd because I think we all knew, or, or at least um, a lot of us went in with the realistic expectations that this kid is a project and this is not going to be the year that he's going to go out there and have a breakout performance. Um, but I think with Seku, I think there's been an expectation um, from the fan base. And I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this is what it should be, but I feel like the expectation was to see that jump from Seku this year, or certainly that next step. But I think, I think, uh, I think it's not been there. So, um, you know, if you had to give Seku a grade, what would you give Seku Dumboya? Um, so this is tough. This is tough for me because I know, I know this is a hard one because we all love Seku. So, we, we all love him. So the thing is, God, this is tough. I don't, I, it's hard for me to give him a grade because like you yeah. said, I feel like Pistons, I feel like a lot of Pistons fans had, wrongful expectations of them this year. Oh, 100%. I think the expectations were wrong by them. So if I was going off my expectations that I had for them, I'd probably have to give them a D plus. Because D plus? Whoa. Because the expectation I had for them was – the only thing I asked for them this year was – because okay, so when the Pistons drafted Seku, let me go in a little bit of a rant. The yeah, Pistons, for sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. When the Pistons drafted Seku, everyone, it was known, this is why they drafted him. Everyone knew that he was a project. He was not someone who was going to be a star this year, a star next year, a star the year. After. Like he was, it was, a, I believe they even said, I'm not sure, but I'm, I believe they even said he was like a, it was like a four-year plan with Seku. And for sure. And so he was 18. He was the youngest player in the NBA. And the fact that he even had that stretch last year when he was just dominating games was absurd. So that should have, like, even though he struggled a lot after that, him having that stretch at all should have made everyone like, okay, there's there's something in this kid. Obviously, there's something there. So he just turned 20 in December. Like, he was playing this year at 19, and he just turned 20. So my expectations for his four-year plan and just him in general was last year, G League, and, and you know, if he happens to go up there and happen to play for the team this year, that's a success. So last year he exceeded expectations for me this year. All I expected for him this year, my step was simply be in the rotation, be a consistent rotation player. If you could be a consistent rotation player, you've hit my expectation. And then next year I expected him. Okay. So next year I expect you to be competing for the starting job. You may not get it, but I expect you to be pushing for it. And I know that's probably not going to be a reasonable expectation now that you got Jeremy Grant, but I'm talking about like before this happened, this was my plan for him. And then in the fourth year, then I expected him, okay, this is when you hit the wall. This is, this is when you, but you, you bust through the wall, you're the starter. And this is where we, you start hitting the ground running. This is your 22, not like he would be only 22 years old at that point. And that he, that's when I would expect him to like hit the ground running. So according to my expectations this year, which is be in the rotation, 
he's been in I, I mean I don't know if he's ever been like completely out the rotation but his mm-hmm. he's he hasn't been giving getting uh consistent minutes and the reason why it's hard for me to grade him is because I feel like part of that is on him but I also feel like part of it's on Dwayne Casey and that's why this is the one thing I I, I can I feel like I can criti- criticize Dwayne Casey on is like so like for example last game Seku probably had his last his best game in like two weeks last game and he was balling out in the first half and he gets yanked after six minutes so it's like for me it's like when Seku plays good and I've pointed this out in other videos and other places but it's like I understand when Seku doesn't play well you're yanking him he doesn't get like he hasn't been great this year obviously so him not getting many minutes I, I get it but it's like when he does play well I feel like he's not getting rewarded for when he does actually play well so I feel like it's hard for him to meet my even my expectations because even when he is playing well, he's not being really rewarded like a ton of minutes anyways. So I don't know. I, I had, I'll give him a D plus because I also feel like he's just not playing as good as he can. Like I said this a few days ago on Twitter as well. Like I can criticize Dwayne Casey for him not giving him consistent minutes and letting him like get a groove going and, and, and try to feel comfortable out there. I can criticize him for that. But Seku is a much better shooter than he's been showing recently. Like, so let me look at it real quick. He's shooting 23% from three over the last eight games. He's a way better shooter than that. He he knows he's better than that. And oh, for sure, for he, sure. And that has nothing to do with Dwayne Casey. That has to do with him, and he has to shoot better than that. So, so that's why I keep it at a D plus because I, I I give him some of a pass because I feel like some games he should have been getting more minutes when he played well, but also he hasn't done enough to he hasn't really done enough to yank uh, Casey's chain enough to to like force his hand either. So. I, honestly, I feel like some Pistons fans probably feel like I'm giving him a generous grade at D plus too. So I, I don't know. I, I, that's where I'll put it for him. D plus. Yeah, no, I don't blame you, man. I, I, my grade would be somewhat similar. I would, I would probably go a little more generous, like a C, C minus, you know, and again, this all just comes down to what your expectations are, right? Because if you're basing your expectations on the first seven games that like he, that seven game stretch he had, um, last season where um, he dunked on Tristan Thompson in Cleveland, where he uh, where he had that game against the Lakers where he played pretty well, or get that game against the Clippers. You know, if you're basing it off of that, I think you're just not basing it off of reality because um, that was a small sample size compared to what he actually did at the end of last year where he struggled, right? And so, you know, to me, I think the best thing that could have happened for him this season – was to have another stretch to go down to go down to the G League and get some consistent minutes there. Definitely. So the fact that so the fact that we're not like participating in the G League bubble, I think is hurting Seku because if we were, I think that would have been a huge thing for him because here's the thing, even though we have four rookies that we drafted this year, in my opinion, the answer of who is the most raw pl- prospect on the Detroit Pistons, to me that answer is still Seku Dumboya. So, so, so to me, um, that's where my expectations have been. And I, and I think that's where our expectations should be, where if, if we see positive things happen and there are things that we see where, um, that we can praise him for, that's great. 100%. Like, for example, I think one of the things that we have seen from Seku this year that he's been consistently strong at is he is, he has a great instinct of rolling to the basket and getting, and getting easy points off of cutting to the basket. He is great at that 100%. 
And I think, uh, I still think he's a solid athlete. I think he has the potential to be a good shooter. Um, but listen, man, it's one of those things where it's one of those things where if you expected him to pop off and to be, and to be like, an like a, like an all-star or like a, like a consistent starter or anything like that, like your expectations are just not based in reality, just because the kid hasn't been playing basketball for very long at all. So I I'm, I'm interested to see what happens to Seku going forward because of the fact that we got guys like Sadiq Bay and Jeremy Grant um, and that, that we're just only getting more depth at those positions. So I think his, his window for playing time is going to be a little difficult, even more difficult now going forward. It could be than it was already. So, um, I mean, the thing was before with Blake, you know, you had to play Blake, right. I mean, to, to even get him some trade value, just to see what happens. You don't just sit a guy like Blake Griffin, um, over, over like a Sadiq Bay or a Sekou Dumboya. Um, but now, I certainly think, um, you know, Seku, he's going to be getting minutes, but you're just going to be seeing the fact that he might not be ready for those minutes. So I think that's just the reality that we're in with Seku is, you know, over the next couple of years, he's going to, if he wants to be in the league going forward, um, we're going to have to see some more consistent progress from him. But right now um, it's not been the most promising sophomore season for him. And this is this is another thing I point I, I want to point out to people. I tweeted this out as well. Like th- this is like you just people just need to keep this in perspective. So right. not only is he only 20 years old, like he was literally like I'm gonna say this again, he just turned 20. It's not like he turned 20, he just turned 20. But also, like the bigger thing here that like I don't think people really understand is is that Jared jumping the gun so absurdly fast is that Seku hasn't even played an 82-game sample yet. He hasn't even played a full NBA season yet. Yeah. He played 38 games last year. He's at 32 games this year. He's still not even at one full NBA season. Exactly. So, like, it's, it's, it's wild to me that people are trying to, like, make predictions about him when technically he hasn't even finished his first season yet. Like, he well, hasn't even finished the season. Well, it's weird because that dunk he had in Cleveland last year, if that didn't happen, I wonder what our conversation would be about Seiko yeah, right now. Yeah. It's all, it almost like that was the worst thing that could have happened to him because once we saw that dunk or once we saw these highlights and these stretches that he had, it was like, oh, well, this kid's going to go to the moon. But like, no, he, he, and like, here's the thing, like, like you said, he's 20, but he didn't start playing basketball until a pretty late age. Yeah, I think they said 15. Yeah, exactly. So a guy that didn't start playing basketball until his teenage years to be a professional basketball player playing against guys who have been refining their skills their entire lives, a very technical sport that requires a lot of instinct and knowledge. It's just one of those things where you're not going to pick it up in your second season in the league. And so, and also didn't have a summer league season two, which I think would have been huge for him. Um, didn't have a conventional NBA offseason by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's just one of those things where, you know, if we're going to judge Seku for all these things, it's important to put that context in there. And that's not just a, that's not just a, you know, because he obviously, ev- every player deserves some form of criticism of, hey, there's just at a point where you got to say that you're not playing up to up to par. But at the same time, we can understand why, you know what I mean? So um I'm definitely. definitely curious to see what happens with him going forward. But overall, 
Yeah, 100%. Um, so now just kind of transitioning to the final grade, if you had to give the overall grade for the Pistons at the midway, midway part of the season, what is your grade for the Detroit Pistons in the, so in the in- 2020-2021 season? It's hard for me like to give a good grade to a team who's last in the NBA. Like, no, I know, I know, I know. While we point out like all the other things that are happening and how they're playing hard and all the other things like the offseason hits and the, the progress of rookie players, like that's all great. But I, it's, it's still hard for me to then also say, oh yeah, a team that's what are they nine and twenty seven or something? Yeah, it, it's hard for me to then say, oh yeah, this team gets an A even though they're losing almost every game. Like, <laughs> it's hard for me to do that. So I'll go for ahead sure. and say. To be like completely objective, I have to like say a C because they're playing the they're they're the worst team in basketball right now according to record. So they really uh, should be second that. worst. Is second? it Minnesota? Okay. Minnesota's got the worst record, but I mean I guess COVID's a thing, so I guess they get a pass. But no, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. So like hey, second plus, worst is still bad. <laughs> yeah, so like an F plus if you were just taking all everything else out. But then if you like taking the kind of everything that we talked about, like with the rookies that are showing up, how hard they play. Uh, the hits on Jeremy Grant and stuff. I guess if you take everything else into account, obviously that raises it up. So I'll raise it up to a sure. C. I really just can't find myself again, like I said, putting a nine and twenty-seven or nine twenty-eight team, whatever they are, above a C grade. That's like insane. But right, yeah, no, I agree one hundred percent. I think it's a good grade. I think you know, given the context of the season, given what we're setting out to accomplish, that might be an A. Um, if you're looking objectively of how good of a season they're having, that's definitely an F because like we're the second worst team in the league. We're the worst team in the worst conference of the league. Um, but overall, I, I think I think if you put that together, I think a C is a pretty fair grade. Um, so I think that's a good report card. And I think that describes pretty well where we're at and also what we're curious to see going forward. Um, I mean, we got the trade deadline coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Um, I think there's going to be a lot that, that can change and a lot that's going to happen. And I think it's going to be exciting. I'm going to um, give you, can I give you a prediction of what I think is going to happen? I'm ready for it. I want a prediction. All right. So my prediction is that Sfi and DeLon Wright are no longer on the team after the trade deadline. Really? Yes. I think, and De- man. Wow. I think DeLon, yeah. I think DeLon doesn't make sense anymore, especially with, with Saban like he was playing really well, and I, they already came out with rumors that teams were seeing how good he was playing and were interested in him. So I think along with that, it just gets boosted even more when you see how well Saban's playing, especially with DSJ as well. And now also that Killian's apparently coming back in like a week or two. So there's really no spot for him now. And especially with his trade value that high, I think as soon as he gets healthy, they're going to try to ship him off. And that's with DeLon. I think with Sfi, I called Sfi the most disappointing piston this season because of the expectations yeah. they had for him and how this was his contract year as well. And I think he's been the most disappointing. Uh, he's, he's playing well. He's playing better as of late, but I think, I think Tory Reaver has seen, I, I think Tory Reaver saw enough that he's probably not ena- enamored with speed. And I think speed, if, if I had to pick any of the young guys that would get, get moved on, I think it would be speed at this point. Yeah, I think I think I agree with that in the sense that I certainly don't think Sfi has a has a future in Detroit beyond this season. I think uh, um, I think he's probably the least likely to get extended just because he's had such a hard time finding a spot in the rotation. But I actually my prediction, um, I think DeLon Wright is a very realistic go 
at the trade deadline. But to me, I think it's if, if, you, if there's going to be two guys that are no longer here, I think it's going to be DeLon Wright and I think it's going to be Wayne Ellington. Um, oh, just, I forgot about Wayne. Yeah. So to me, I think with uh, I think Wayne Ellington is a guy that probably has the best, like, you know, the best trade value right now in the sense of of what makes sense for us to trade and what we can get in return for a guy that we signed on on a I believe just on a minimum contract. Um, you know, just like a, like a guy that can come in just that extra shooting presence for it, for a championship team, um, or a, or a contending team. I could see a team like, uh, like Philadelphia, just wanting to get one extra shooter, just trying to boost, boost that shooting just a little bit. I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers are always looking for, for guys to, to bolster their depth and their bench. I think there's definitely going to be a market of some form for Wayne Ellington, um, and I think to your point too, DeLon Wright, just how well he's played. Um, it doesn't quite make sense to, to have him in our, in our long-term future plans. And so if he can go on a, on a playoff team and, and add some, add some depth at the point guard position, add some playmaking, some scoring ability, I think that would make a lot of sense too. So um, we're definitely going to be active. I don't think we're going to be extremely active because I think we want to hold on to assets as much as possible. Um, real quick about the trade deadline. Did you see, um, have you seen the reports that, that Detroit's interest reportedly interested in Spencer Dinwiddie? Um, I, I did see that report. Yes. What, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I don't believe to, it. I don't believe it either. <laughs> I think it's utter garbage. Yeah. I also uh, think, I think it was around, I think, I think this is what happened. Hey, Pistons, you interested in Spencer Dinwiddie? Sure, you're giving us for him for free? Nah, okay, goodbye. And then, yeah, 100%. It's like, are the Pistons interested in LeBron James? Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> like, like, are teams interested in Jeremy Grant? Duh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but that's just not how that works. Uh, yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, moving on, just I kind of want to close the podcast, and I, I just kind of want to go over now that we are at the at the halfway mark of the season. Um, I'd love to go over some mid-season awards, just like looking at like kind of like the main awards to give away at the end of the season, like MVP, defensive player of the year, most improved player. I mean, the Jeremy Grant award, um, you know, all these things, but, um, I kind of want to start, uh, have you, have you been following the league as a whole or do you kind of just follow Pistons like just mainly or are you, do you follow the whole league? This season, I think I would. Past seasons, I usually only stay with the Pistons, but I think this season has been I've watched more basketball outside of Detroit than I have actually in Detroit. And I've watched every Pistons game, so I think I've actually watched a lot of NBA outside of here. It's been a heck of a season, man. I, to me, this has been one of the most fun seasons in recent memory, just from the unpredictability, um, just the the quality of basketball that's been played on a night to night basis. To me, I think this has been a pretty fun season, personally. I've been having a lot of fun with this season. Yeah, I've had I've had a ton. Of, I think I've had a ton of fun because, to be honest, I'm having a lot of fun because Steph's healthy and I love Steph and I love watching him. So and he wasn't playing at all last year. So I, I I've watched a lot of Warriors games. So I think that's one of the main reasons why I've had so much fun because Steph's oh, back. Dude, the Warriors have been fun. Um, Portland is always a good watch. I'm so pumped. I got tickets to go see Portland play Detroit at the end of March. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I, I also saw that you tweeted that you've been dabbling in uh, that, you, that you're officially retired from sports betting. Was there some uh, was there some NBA bets that you made that just absolutely screwed you over? 
So the Pistons are the main ones who screw me over nonstop. So like, like the other day when they played the Raptors, I had them on a five game parlay for like two hundred and fifty dollars, and every other one did. But um, they beat the damn Raptors without Jeremy Grant, and it was like, bro, (laughs) come on, dude. I learned my lesson too of like. Like, if you ever see a Pistons game on there and they got a spread, like, just don't touch the spread with the Pistons because whatever you think they're going to do, they're not going to do it <laughs> at all. Like, uh, no, it's crazy because I have a no bet list. Like, me and my friends, we all have a no bet list. Like, teams, if you screw us over enough or you piss us off enough, you're going on that no bet list and we just don't <laughs> bet on you. And the, and the Pistons have been on that no bet list since the beginning of the season. And we all keep betting on them because we just keep telling ourselves, like, there's no damn way that this team beats them without Jeremy Grant. There's no way. And it happens. It's just like (laughs) they're on the no bet list, but, like, they're just so intriguing because it's like, bro, no Jeremy Grant. Like, that should be a free one. And it just wasn't. And it is what it is. Well, yeah, because they're they're the, they're the team that you think would be the easiest to bet on, just because they are like the team in the league that is actively trying to get a top pick. Legit. But, yeah, but that's just not how it works, man. It's just not. So, uh, people in Vegas that must they must be giving uh, Troy Weaver a gift card right now for all the all the money that they're getting them over there. Because I've had some similar struggles, bro. My uh, friends, uh, my friends, be saying that. Uh... <laughs> they'd be saying that Vegas be cheating and they'd be, they'd be trying to, they'd be behind the works in this, these piston games. Yeah. Is there it? must be a, there must be a special ref just like back in the day. There must be a ref that's uh that's, that's getting it in, in Vegas's favor right now. It's, oh just, my goodness. it's ridiculous. I will say though, I won. <laughs> so here's a sad story. I won $400 that same night uh, through casino. I was playing blackjack. I won $400. <laughs> Whoa. Yep, amazing. I was going crazy, right? And then the next day, I got I got greedy. I was like, okay, let's try to get it up to eight hundred, and lost it all away. So I mean, oh my gosh, man, you're <laughs> nuts. I respect it, but man. so so it, it was a, it. I kind of want to retire because that was I, I'm still sick. My stomach hurts still thinking about that. That I got up to four because it was crazy. I I got four hundred dollars out of twenty five dollars. I de- I deposited twenty five into the account, went to blackjack, and turned it into four hundred. And oh man, my and my idiot self didn't just take my $375 profit. I, I feel like you just got to pull a Kyrie and just take some personal time. Like, but, like, you know, like just don't put up there. Why? Just like, I just need a minute. I feel like that's gotta be the move. I, oh it is, I'm, I'm, I'm sick. I'm sick. Oh my gosh. So, so the Pistons win the mid season award for worst team to bet on. Legit. So we got that, got that award down. With, with some hard with some hard competition from the Boston Celtics. Oh my dude! Okay, so that's where I want to start. So for me, um, one of the awards I wanted to give out was most disappointing team, and to me, it's got to be Boston, right? Like it, it, to me, the Boston Celtics. I I had expectations for them, especially after their bubble performance, and oh my gosh, dude! They just the fact that they are where they're at. And that they're just above 500 going into the all-star break is mind-boggling to me. Granted, Tatum was injured for a bit. Granted, Kemba Walker, you know, Kemba Walker's not been himself lately. Marcus Smart was out, um, you know. But Jalen Brown has been playing at a different level. Um, they've been getting some good guard play out of uh, – uh, I'm, I'm dropping the – blinking on the name of their rookie Pritchard. guard right now. Yeah, yeah, Peyton Pritchard, Peyton Pritchard, yep. Um, 
So to me, despite all of that, there's no reason why they should only be a couple games above 500. So to me, if I had to give an award for the most disappointing team this year, it's got to go to the Boston Celtics to me. I think Boston's like the only, I mean, I feel like what other team is really like underachieving. I think Boston's really like the, I mean, Toronto, but like also they're playing in Tampa. Like, you know what I mean? Like that even Toronto, they, they, they've, they've turned it around like the last month. So they're like balling out. So it's like, I don't know. I think, I think Boston's really, I mean, I guess, I guess the only other team that Denver too, to me, who Denver. Oh, Denver, Denver's fair. I think I think the other team too that people may say is New Orleans. Yeah, I I, I don't maybe it's because they had unfair expectations heading this season. Yeah. I, I, either way, I think I think Bo- I will I agree with you basically. I, I will go with Boston. I think there's only I don't think there's very many very much competition for it, and I, I I'd give it to Boston. Yeah, in my opinion, I think I think we are a year early on New Orleans. I think yeah. uh, to me, I, I still. People saying that Lonzo's washed or that he's a bust, you know, like I think Lonzo Ball is still a really good NBA player and has a chance to be a solid NBA player going forward. Um, so to me, I, I, w- I would hope that they would extend Lonzo Ball, but we'll see what they do. I think I think we're a year early on them. I, um, thank you for bringing up Lonzo because I absolutely love Lonzo and I'm currently working on a video about Lonzo because everyone count, like was talking so much about him and 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 was counting and was already writing his his eulogy as it like yeah. the first week and a half two weeks of the season i just kept saying just wait just give him a just, you guys are jumping way out way too early he's going to turn dude, it around dude absolutely i i have been a lonzo ball apologist ever since he's come into the league it feels like because i've loved watching him play and just I mean, the amount that he's that he's improved his shooting from joining the league, the amount that he's improved his defensive ability, and how great of a passer he already was. I just, you know, don't sleep on Lonzo Ball because he's, having, know, he's playing the best basketball of his life over the past 20, 21 games. Exactly, like he he's that's the thing. He's playing good basketball, and all of his teammates, all they talk about is how good of a player he is. Like, even Zion's like, dude, like, if you watch, like, Lonzo, he's good. He's really good. So, like, the last, so, like, the last 21 games, he's shooting 45% from the field. He's shooting a career-high 43.5% from deep on eight attempts a game. He's shooting a career-high 85% from free throw line, and he's averaging a career-high 16 points a game. So, it's like, he, he legit is playing really good basketball and the best basketball of his life. And now, now everyone's going quiet, but everyone was so loud when he was struggling the first week and a half. I just 100%, 100% same here, dude, you, you, we agree on a lot of things. This might be the one we agree on the most. Oh my (laughs) God. All right. So that's the most disappointing team, Boston Celtics. If you had to give uh, who's your MVP of the league right now, why? So I feel like it had, I, I want to say Joel Embiid. I think Embiid's the safe pick. Yeah. But I feel like, I don't know. I, I It depends how much you put into missed games. I do feel like he's missed a lot of games or missed some games. Not a lot of games, but missed enough games that would take some people out of MVP conversations this early. But he's just been, he, he's been absurd. He's, I, I think, I think his play anyways has just been wild. So I, I think, I think he's clear. I think he's clear cut right now. Actually, I won't say clear cut because there are a lot of people, but I, I'd give it to Joel Embiid. If the season ended today, I think Joel Embiid would be the, I think he would be the favorite. 
um, especially after that Utah game where he put up like what, like 40 and 18 or mm-hmm. something like that. I mean, the guys, he's having his career gear. He's averaging 30 points, 11 rebounds, three assists. He's, and he's shooting 52% from the field. I mean, the guy's just playing absolutely nuts. And he's, he's for a big guy to be, to have that high of a usage rate and to be that close to being a 50, 40, 90 guy is just crazy. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where I'm not a Joel Embiid guy. However, I also put five bucks on him winning MVP. So I'm kind of okay. with <laughs> I'm kind of okay with the MVP talk with him. Um, but it just feels like an award that has a narrative every year as to why not, why to not give LeBron the award. Um, and I think it's just going to keep being the case. So I think if we're going off of that narrative, I think it's gotta be Joel Embiid for sure. And, uh, assuming he stays healthy. And assuming that he keeps playing at this level, I think it's going to be really difficult to give it to anybody else. Me, That's for sure. For me personally, I feel like the number one and two, the crazy thing is for me, I feel like number one and two are both big guys. I think it goes Embiid and Jokic. I, I, yeah, for sure. With James Harden's got to be in there too, though, because like the way he's playing in Brooklyn is absurd. Yeah, he's, he's balling out. Yeah, 100. And, and to all these people that said that he couldn't pass the ball or that uh, that passing wasn't in his vocabulary – um, did they, did those you're people, biting your words. You're biting your words right did now. Those people even watch Houston. Like I feel like exactly. people. I, I feel like people just like troll about like certain guys. Like they, oh, he shoots a lot, so he must not pass. When like the whole point of Houston's offense was the fact that he was such a tremendous player or such a tremendous passer that they could do that because anytime you gave him any kind of extra attention, he was finding the open guy every time. It's like I feel like people just didn't watch, like. <laughs> didn't watch him like this whole idea that, Oh, look, he's a good passer now. Like, no, he's been one of the best passers in the league for years now. It's, it's nothing new. Exactly. The way, the way that he distributed the ball is why they had, why they were able to get so many threes like PJ Tucker's missing that guy. Hardcore right now. My it goodness. Is. Yeah. So yeah, I think Joel Embiid's got to be MVP right now. Um, I think defensive player of the year, if we were to give that award today, um, I don't know about you, but to me, I think Ben Simmons would be the the winner of that award. I'd give I, a lot of people don't like this guy, but I I think he still is. I, I think I'd give it to Rudy Gobert, but I think Ben Simmons yeah. is right there. Yeah, I, I think I, it's between them two, to be honest. Oh, one hundred percent. And and listen, man, like say what you will about Rudy Gobert. There's a reason why Utah paid him what he what they did because Rudy Gobert is just such a stabilizing force. And he's, he is such a big reason why they're doing as well as they are. Just, he is absolutely lethal on the defensive end. And, and is a big reason why they're the best team in the league right now. Definitely. 100%. Yeah. I I think this is kind of the award that's the hardest to talk about because I think the, the defensive player of the year award, I mean, obviously it shows up on the stat on the stat sheet with steals and blocks, but to me, that's not always the indicator. I think it's just by, you know, I think a lot of it's the eye test of, okay, these guys just affect the game on the defensive end in a way that's different. Um, I, I think, I think, uh, I think Rudy Gobert is going to be in it every year, but I think this has probably been Ben Simmons best season on the defensive end. And since he was already such an elite defensive player, I think he's just kind of doing so, so many different things right now that are putting him up there. So I think he's probably the favorite on my end. Yeah. I'd have no problem with him getting it. He's I watched the game the other day against Utah. And while I definitely agree, I definitely agree with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and thinking that they were getting cheated some with those. For sure. For sure. But 
Ben Simmons definitely was like, especially in overtime, like he was, he was, he was looking like Tony Allen out there. So yeah. I, I, I would have no problem with Ben Simmons getting it. For sure. And now on to the most important award to Pistons fans. Um, most improved player. Jeremy Grant. Uh, who, who is it and why is it Jeremy Grant? It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's gotta be Jeremy Grant. I don't think there's anyone even like, I, I, it's not even a, it's like not even close. Like, I don't think this is a discussion. I think it's just Jeremy Grant, and I, I don't see how there's a discussion for anybody else. Yeah, because the discussion before before uh, Christian Wood got injured, people were like, oh, it has to be Christian Wood, right? He hasn't done this before. We're like, guys, he did this literally last year. Like, in Detroit, when, when Andre Drummond was traded away, this is what he did. Um, so, to me, like, that's not an improvement. That's just playing how he was playing at that point you know, picking up that momentum. So to me, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Jeremy Grant, 100%. And right now he's the Vegas odds on favorite. He's at minus 250 to win that award. So I think, uh, I think he's running away with it. And as long as he stays healthy, that's gotta be it. Um, For sure. Um, And then uh, one last award, uh, rookie of the year. LaMelo Uh, Ball. Yeah. LaMelo Ball, 100%. I mean, Tyrese Halliburton, like all the credit in the world to him going to Sacramento, which to me, I did not think was a good fit for him. Um, I've been, I, I think I've been proven wrong a little bit just because I, you know, to me, I just thought De'Aaron Fox was just such a gifted guy in the sense that, you know, he, I think he's at his best when he has the ball in his hands. So to have a point guard, that's a distributor. I mean, sure. Like I think he could put De'Aaron Fox in more positions to be more efficient and things like that. I just, to me that, that didn't make the most sense, but also I think, um, other than Sadiq Bay, I think that was perhaps one of the steals of the draft. 100% was Tyrese Halberton. But I mean, it's LaMelo Ball. The kid's just special. Yeah, I definitely agree. I don't think there's anyone uh, touching him in the rookie of the year race right now. Yeah, I mean, Anthony Edwards, he's he's not having a bad season in Minnesota. He's, he's Minnesota's not, just having a bad season. <laughs> yeah, he's not having a bad season, but LaMelo. The thing is, I didn't even notice until like before, right before we got in here. I was looking, I was looking through it all. Not only is Lamelo like playing extremely well, like he has them in the playoffs right now. So like, it, yeah, it, it. I think he's, I, I think he's the runaway favorite right now. Anthony Edwards is, still, I think he's good. He's gonna be a fine player, a really good player. I really like his personality too. I, I also, real quick, since you brought him up, I think it's the funniest thing ever that the two guys that people talk about, oh, their personalities are toxic and and they're they need to mature and they're this is why we're going to pass on them and blah blah and anthony edwards and Lil ball both seem like the most likable players in the league and they're just both yeah smiling and teammates have nothing to say bad about them yeah exactly like two of like the the coolest guys to the media like the just guys that teammates talk about how much they love playing with them and like you know the, the guys that fans have gotten behind i i agree with you 100 i think um I think unless we have clear examples and evidence as, as to why a guy needs to grow up, I think we got to stop this narrative of, I just don't know if he's mature because they're all 18, 19, 20 year old kids coming into the league, being put into the spotlight, man. I mean, my goodness, uh, real quick. I I've had this thought going through my head and I want to run it by you. Um, because when, when talking about Charlotte, this is something that's been intriguing to me for a while. What if they traded for Zach Levine? Hear me out, all right? Imagine if Zach Levine 
got put in a Charlotte Hornets uniform alongside LaMelo Ball, alongside Gordon Hayward. To me, that would be such a fun team, dude. I Just to me, like, I just thought about it one night. I was like, what if Zach Levine went to Charlotte? I mean, I get that would be – they would be insane on offense. I think he's, yeah. gotten better, he's gotten better somewhat in defense. I mean, I think obviously they'd get better. It'd be fun as hell to watch because they're already a playoff sure. right now. So if you add Zach Levine, they'd be – They'd be fun as hell to watch. I think if you, I think if you add Zach Levine to a lot of teams, they instantly become fun as hell to watch. For sure, but to me, for some reason, Charlotte just clicked with me. Of oh man, Zach Levine going to Charlotte. Oh boy, that would be. I I don't think I think you would have to have a separate league pass tier just to get access to them because they just for some reason that just feels like I'd have to pay more. You know what I mean? Like it already yeah, feels feel like it. a steal. I get to see them on league pass. Definitely, I feel it. Oh my gosh. Well, hey, uh, this is going to be uh, – we're going to wrap up today's episode. But, Koo, dude, thank you so much for joining. Uh, do you want to just tell people one more time where they can find you? Definitely. You can find me on Twitter, at NBA. You can find me on YouTube and my podcast. They're both named Koo's Ballroom. And you can find me at Detroit Bad Boys, writing about the Detroit Pistons. Awesome, man. Well, dude, genuinely, this was a really fun episode. And uh, – it's, it's been really cool sitting down, getting to know you better and just uh, talking hoops with you. Um, I, I love your knowledge of the game and, you know, this is definitely an episode I wanted to do for a bit. So again, thank you so much for coming on and thank you so much to everyone for listening. Again, this has been from half court. You can follow me on Twitter at Shawnee West two five five. Give us a like, give us a positive review, share with your friends, and I will see you next time from half court.